Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. In this episode, Michael Zernow, better known as Frosty Fresh, discusses his career, passion for community building, and his experiences with the Red Bull Art of Motion competition. He shares his views on competition in general, his unique perspective on how parkour has grown, and the potential it has as it continues to grow. Frosty explains his involvement in the United States Parkour Association, his love of collaboration, and how he's found and followed his passions throughout his journey. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. And I'm Frosty Fresh. What's up, Craig? Michael Frosty Fresh Zernow is an athlete, host, and entrepreneur. He started his career as the first sponsored American freerunner and went on to become one of the owners of Tempest Freerunning. Frosty currently is building his own brands as well as traveling to share his movement experience at conferences, schools, and hosting the biggest competitions around the globe. Welcome, Frosty. It's awesome to be here. Frosty, there are like so many places we could start. Let's begin with what are you working on now? What's your current passion? Let me know what you're doing. Well, it was really exciting for me this week. I released my final solo pro athlete video part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been something I've been thinking about and talking about for a while. And I actually started shooting about two years ago and then sat on the footage for quite some time. <laughs> and, and, is, that uh, out of, uh, like, is that out of concern for it being up to par? Or are you um, worried about what people are going to think about it? Or? I think a lot of uh, different aspects came into play. Originally, I thought maybe it was going to be part of a larger group project. Mm-hmm. Um, as that shifted, I started to have different ideas about what I would like to do. And the moving target, yeah, right? And, and anything that, that you know lasts two years in development, <laughs> I think, is, is naturally going to shift because you're going to become a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got the footage uh, a couple months ago and, and actually started to look through it and was thoroughly disappointed in myself oh, and my, <laughs> my, uh, my sort of idea of what I wanted to do it was not coming into play. Um, are you shooting it? I'm curious. Are you shooting it yourself? Are you or like? Do you think that happened because you had trouble communicating the vision to someone else, or are you literally just doing it yourself? So the fingers all point at you. Uh, I just had a very different idea when I started versus where I am now, and mm-hmm. my goals now are very much about transitioning from being somebody trying to show something about myself and more about trying to share something with other people. So in releasing this project, I I tried to work hand in hand with you know, some people that were really going to help me see things from a different point of view. Um, so while I did share it, you know, initially with some of my friends like Jesse LaFlair, Gabe Nunez from Tempest, you know, mm-hmm. like get an idea of where things were at. Um, I also was talking to a lot of my friends uh, here in New York in the art community. Um, I worked really closely with my friend Dexter Tortoriello. He is an amazing musician. He has a band called Houses. They've just released some really cool stuff, and it kind of actually inspired a lot of this. Um, my friend William Spencer, actually, he's the one who got me to start editing again. He's an incredible skateboarder. Um, you may have known him from being Spider-Man's stunt double mm. um, and doing like the biggest front yeah, flip over a, a staircase onto a skateboard. skateboard over there in the corner. Yeah, right? but, but really, I think it was a lot of different people that had different points of views on, on what it is that they care about, what their interest was. Mm-hmm. And I was very much looking for a way to connect with people that maybe don't normally connect with our sport. 
Frosty, a lot of people know you as a, like, and within the United States, they know you as an athlete, they see your videos, they know what you're doing, but there's also a whole bunch of work that you do on the international scene, like on the bigger, I don't want to say the bigger picture because I don't want to play down the United States, but I, I'd like to dig in a little bit to like how you got involved with the Art of Motion Tour. And uh, we had talked before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about the different hats you've worn there. And I think that's always fun to see like, you know, from the man on the ground's point of view, like what you're doing, you know, this year versus next year versus last year, that kind of thing. I think early on in my career in parkour, I had an interest in the bigger world of the sport beyond just the active participation. Even as a young kid, you know, starting off like making videos mm-hmm. is very communal project when you have a bunch of friends there and yeah, starting share, jams. Share, repeat, right? Exactly. And then we were building, you know, we did the first uh, local jam in my town, you know, when I was like 14 yeah, where or 15 was years, years in Traverse City, Michigan. Say, stick a pin in the map. Traverse yeah, City, which Michigan. was really like, like seven of my friends right. that I convinced to go jump off stuff with me, which, <laughs> but also paved the way for the first like Michigan jam, which mm-hmm. was like really just like connecting to the one other group in Michigan, which led us to connecting for the first PKUSA jam, which was in right. New York. Um, and but I'll point out that there's a community and relationship building thread that runs through all of what you're describing. And a lot of people, and I don't mean this negatively, but a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are just able to be satisfied by their personal development. And the, I'm sensing from other things I've seen, I'm sensing this thread of that outreach and community building really runs through your projects. Yeah. And it was, you know, I think I started to really recognize actually, if I continue that sort of thought process, by the time we went to the PK Toronto Jam, which was one of the first international jams to happen mm-hmm. in North America, there was over 100 people there. It was this incredible experience. It really started to open my eyes to how big this this world was growing and how different something as close as like, you know, like our yeah, know, from Michigan northern to neighbors. Is yeah. far, right? So um, I think I had this vision in my head of someday down the road, this sport's going to be huge. There's going to be like world cups and they're going to need somebody like sitting in the booth. And I was like, ah, well I'm starting now when there's nothing someday that'll be there. And I'll be like that old guy, like sitting in the booth, just like (laughs) complaining about how good the kids have it, which they do and how hard it was for me because it was. And the the thing I didn't recognize is that those things were going to ha- start happening a lot sooner. And and the way that this sport grew because it was it was it was viral before viral existed. Yes, you know, it was. like it, it was it was forecasted by trendsetters left and right that just knew that there was something there, and so it was brought up to speed faster than it was even prepared for. And part of what ended up happening is I was seeing people coming into the sport, being the ones to educate and sort of illuminate it to the to the world that weren't really a part of it and didn't really fully understand it. Mm-hmm. So at the time I, I was still, and up until like today, like a, a professional ongoing, athlete, right? Yeah. but I, I recognized that while I had very unique skill set from a physical movement standpoint, my understanding of the sport and my ability, ability to communicate with, with sort of the outside world really was a much more unique trait. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to put myself forward as somebody that could speak, that could host events, that could commentate, because I, I recognize the value of it. And working with people like, um, you know, the Renee and Tom on NAPC, people who have a very strong passion for competition and also breaking it down and understanding it, seeing what they can Make gain it from it. Right? Absolutely. As well as Tempest, that has always been a, like the hugest supporter of competition. They really helped me get to host some of my first events uh, in Sweden and and in Canada. And then 
um, when the Art of Motion in Santorini came around and there was an open vacancy, actually Travis Wong called me because he was he was uh, double booked. He was like, ah, I booked this job Oops. doing stunts for Transformers, Can but I also pitch? was like hosting yeah. Art of Motion. And you know, Travis has been a huge supporter of parkour for a long time. He's been very involved in it, and he's been a good friend of mine. But I think he always recognized that he's a very professional, like speaker. He loves movement. Mm-hmm. He, he comes from a martial arts tricking background, and and he knew that I was like very interested in this. He had, he'd spoken to them and, and, and a kindred soul, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think. Now we've had a chance, ironically, to come back and work together. The last Art of Motion in Greece, uh, he was the sideline reporter while I was doing expert commentary with uh, our friend Ed, who's an amazing um, like BBC host for the Olympics and stuff. Like, just <laughs> it was just such a, a yeah, huge you... growth from like just a few years ago when it was like like literally just the two like one of our one of us like with a mic like right. yelling things right. in the audience, like hoping that they got excited. Um, and now it's it's come to this place where Red Bull has really recognized that parkour is a huge part of what they love to see in sports, in their athletes, in the art that they create. And so they're looking for new ways to um, to integrate it into what they do. And I'm very grateful that they love to work within their family of people that they've they've brought in. So for them, I've worked in everything from live MC, commentary, um, sideline reporting. I've done narration for stuff. I've done market research. It's like there's they're very much about seeing what's like authentic and inspiring and exciting and giving a platform to that. And I think that's why they've been such a longstanding sponsor in in the sport. They really are looking for ways that they can just be involved in things that they see working in parallel with things they believe in. And and I've totally come to recognize how beneficial it can be to really recognize people that believe in something and when they want to support it, especially when they are willing to support it in a way that you can sort of dictate and, and, and do for yeah, yourself and giving you resources and a place that you can operate from as opposed to telling you do exactly this. Exactly. And I think it's rare to see in a company as large as they are that they turn to people like us, like me and, and, and our, and my friends and say, they say, like, okay, what would you do here? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, we they recognize, you know, when uh, Dom goes out and front flips over Lion 25, like, people care about that. Like, people connect with it. It's It feels real. It feels authentic. It feels powerful. And they want to support somebody who wants to do that. Dom, n- nobody said, hey, Dom, we need you to go yeah, need seven over front this flips, giga- right? gigantic <laughs> thing. Like, that dude was doing it anyway. Pasha was already throwing stuff down in Latvia before he got any competitions, before he got any money, before he, he had any views or followers on Instagram. He was doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. He just was having to sell bail videos to Break.com to pay <laughs> rent for his family. Right. And so he found somebody, they found him, that connection happened, and it, it has created so many incredible opportunities, not only for individual athletes, but for the sport overall to grow and for people to come in and see the, the value of it and to start developing their own opportunities and venues for it. So your passion for the project, um, as well as your passion and um, point of view on how positive they are about their project, there are obviously many people in the world who have negative things to say about, and I'm not going to like be trite about it, but they have negative things to say about the project. And I'm just wondering, was there a point in time where you were uncertain about their intentions um, and they won you over? Or is it just you've only ever seen positive intentions or just... I think any time I'm considering working with somebody or or collaborating or even in investing some energy, yeah, time, life, resource, interview, right? yeah, like uh, you have to try and think about 
you know, where it's coming from and, and, and what it, what it means and how it's going to affect your, your situation and also the, the bigger picture moving forward. And the biggest difference I, I see between what Red Bull has been working to do and what a lot of other people coming into the sport have tried to do is that they ask a lot of questions. You know, in any sport that Red Bull gets involved in, they hire always somebody as a like freelance, not within their like current team, somebody just from that sport to come in and mm-hmm. tell them mm-hmm. things about that sport. And now I'm not saying that you always have the the best thing done, but every art of motion has been a perfect example sure, of competition. Sure, sure. But what I am saying is that every year they've worked to make it better. Every year they've asked the athletes and their sports director mm-hmm. and the people involved in their team. The first thing that happens once the competition is over is everybody sub- submits reports or complaints or concerns or yeah, ideas for the next year. And, dig in. And, and every year it's, it's gotten better in, in different ways. And some things have changed and they haven't made it what we wanted or there's things that I would love to see improved. But every time they ask questions, they don't come in and say, this is how it is. This mm. is what we're doing. This is what matters. This is you know, like they'll say, yeah, of course we want people to tune and see it. We need viewers, but (laughs) you guys are the ones pulling in viewers. It's has nothing to do with, you know, energy drinks. It has to do with a company that believes in these people doing something they love. And that's why they will invest so much money into paying a bunch of athletes to come do something incredible. And when I look, you know, conversely, you know, like how many of people will sign up for Ninja Warrior well, it's, it plays itself as a competitive elite sport mm-hmm. when it's a, a game show. Right. You know, when I look at when people come in and, 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 and talk about, you know, like, oh, well, this person is like ruining this and this person is like destroying it because they're diminishing the values. Usually I, 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 just, I just try to understand what is that, that person or what is this organization like trying to accomplish? Yeah, like everybody wants to survive. They're trying to make money. They're trying to grow. They're trying to build something. Everybody's got their own ideas. It's when you look at somebody and their whole idea is to circumnavigate the the history and the people that are currently involved and try and create their own thing to change something to make it suit them. Then I feel like, yeah, I'm not going to be involved in that. I don't want to do that. When somebody comes to me and asks me what I want to do and how I think this should be, Hell yeah, I'll collaborate. Let's work together. Let's create something. In some ways, it's almost like the discussion of where's the warped wall in the parkour gym. There are some parkour gyms that don't want to have a warped wall. And then there are some that obviously have it because it's the thing that most random people might have seen. And it's almost that same, there's like a philosophical nut there about, do you see somebody who's approaching your gym or do you see somebody who's approaching you to say, hey, I want to do a TV show? Is this person approaching, do you take that as an olive branch or an opportunity for you to start a discussion with them? Or you do you summarize it in your head and say, oh, well, the question you've asked me or the thing you have asked about doing shows me that you have the wrong idea, so on you. And I, th- I like the way that you're looking at it, which is, all right, well, this person has approached me in whatever context we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, let me learn more about them. Let me, what if I say this? If I say this, how do they respond to that? Are they open to ideas? And I think it's great. I don't think that I have a like a role to play in the world, but it's great that I have a chance to talk to somebody who like, I mean, does, like if you've done the sideline reporting, you've seen it all, you know, where everything is, you know, like you've had lunch in the tent, you know? Yeah. So like to see behind the scenes and to actually say, no, this is, this is what it is. I've been there. I've talked to the people and these are the questions and it's been this, you know, every year they're asking me more questions. So I think that's a great insight, a great perspective to have a chance to hear. Yeah. And I, I would say to anybody that has those concerns, 
they most likely have not spoken directly to anyone who is in, involved in the mm-hmm. actual process of it. They may have talked to somebody who like heard about it, showed up, maybe like had some like bad experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I totally trust that those things will happen in anything you do. But the one thing I am so sure of is that Red Bull has no interest and no gain from trying to own parkour. They only have gain from parkour growing and in essence, bringing Red Bull with them. And you know, do you want to like, this is also a chance to talk about, I, I hate to talk about FIG, the Federation International Gymnastique, but, but it seems to me that FIG is an example of an entity, which is very different from that. So they're showing up in the space and they're not asking questions. They're just like, oh, look, you guys are disorganized. So we're going to take over this. Is that, you know, that, 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 and it strikes me as an example. Of, I think of an organization that you would completely disagree with FIG's participation. If I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it strikes yeah. me as that's an, uh, an exact opposite example where you've reached the opposite conclusion that this is not a good thing. Is that my. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I would, I would be very curious to know if the people you're talking about, how they feel about FIG and their involvement. Oh, they also think FIG sucks, you know, like yeah. they, 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 they like lumped together, maybe not lumped together, but they have the same final analysis of both FIG's attempted involvement as they do of Red Bull's attempted involvement. I, I, I think a lot of people have an open mind. I try to maintain a really open mind because I'm not actually involved in either of those projects. So I, I try not to like throw my opinion around too much. Mm. I mean, I have a microphone, so I have a platform, but I yeah. try not to, you know, like make decisive analyses, but I believe you have a unique perspective in that you've been doing this so long. You've definitely been in the, I don't, I don't say capitalist. I don't mean that in a bad way, but the capitalist aspect of like running a gym and making oh, no money. Doubt. And I really loved your comment about Pasha, like having to like sell bail videos to pay rent because people need to have a roof over their head. And, and I think that, people who summarily write off the art of motion project because it's red bull I'm like well i'm sitting here talking to somebody who's got inside information and has something to say and i also think that frosty's opinion does seem to be validated because i have another example where he has the opposite opinion you know when we talk about feed yeah. um, so to answer your question i think they the people who don't like red bull also don't like feed i don't really know anybody who likes the whole feed situation just because it's so blatantly obvious but yeah and i my my experience with fig was you know, the very, very early days of the the movement and when, uh, you know, David Bell and the Yamakaze mm-hmm. and Sebastian started to talk again. So mm-hmm. this conversation come about, I was like directly involved with some of those. They Skyped me in so that we could have conversations because there were really exciting things going on. And it is not that I don't think that someday, you know, parkour and free running could have a place in an Olympic right. competition because in my opinion of the the Olympics and where they started was just to try and help cultivate the pinnacle of human ability. And that does sound like so much what going out and training your calling to precisions to improve (laughs) like distance and accuracy. It's like the same exact things. And I do get that, but I also recognize the difference between, you know, uh, an organization coming in and saying like, okay, where are you at? What are you guys doing? Like, how can we best support this? And someone coming in and saying, okay, you guys haven't done this the way that we would do this. So we're going to do it (laughs) because you you guys can just go and and play and, and and we'll be in charge of the money and the, and and the rules, you know? And, uh, and I, and I think when, you know, when I got an invitation to come host their competition in Japan. It would have been an incredible opportunity. And in the past, my attitude has always been, if I can be involved, I can help have a say. You have a voice, right? But for the, for the first time, I recognized that by simply including my voice, regardless of what it was going to say, 
it was going to be supporting an idea which would be moving us further away from as a community having a voice, as a, as a, a growing culture mm-hmm. representing who we are and, and the direction that we have been working to take ourselves in. Like I, I said at the beginning of our conversation, my current interest has been very much about sort of extra how do I Exterior say facing outward yeah, like, outreach. Yeah, like it is community outreach, but it's to the outside community. Um, I think that not only the parkour world, but all of our worlds, because of filtering and you know Facebook analytics, have become more insular, and we're starting to be more and more facing within our own yeah, little bubbles. Bubble, right? And and that idea has has certainly in the past few years, both politically and personally help me start to recognize that it's important to em- embrace our differences and find ways to sort of translate what we're doing to the outside world because mm-hmm. that's how we're going to continue to grow not necessarily just in active participants but in yeah, legitimate grow. supporters yeah individually as humans right and and, <clears throat> and so i think um you know with with something like tempest we're really looking at things like our academies you know, they started as training facilities for athletes, athletes, you know, like it literally was like, okay, we are a bunch of like talented, badass stunt people. Like let's get a badass place that we can do cool stuff in. Mm. And it's only because we had a viral video and now like people like coming in just saying like, yeah. Oh, actually like I'm you know, just a kid who loves to jump around and like keeps hitting my head on stuff. Cause I can't chill out or, you know, <laughs> I'm a parent that, yeah, bed, that, right? that never stopped like reading comic books. And I just, you know, want to feel like a kid again. And mm-hmm. all of those people have a, a space in, in our, in our facilities. And I think looking for ways that we can cultivate those opportunities for people, you know, like, you know, in our, our gyms, we noticed one of the the big shifts in, you know, like from doing like free outdoor classes to doing like really well, like maintained, like professional yeah, structure, level right? structures, um, very safe equipment, uniforms for the coaches, uh, like, structured curriculum all of a sudden things like uh our older female attendance went up Hmm. dramatically it's just suddenly we were we're giving something to that demographic that didn't exist in a bunch of like shirtless sweatpants yeah like it's like outside like i'm not no i'm old i I started and i saw what you're describing i spotted that in a community that wasn't that organized and it drew me in but you're right when you when you like i hate this when you put a shirt on it and you like dress it as a particular thing then suddenly it makes sense to those people and then they're willing to start the conversation and then you have a chance to share your values with them so i I think the success that you guys have had there is is like the proofs in the pudding as the brits would say yeah and and we're trying to do the same things in different areas in things like our apparel and footwear. We've been reaching outside of the parkour community to find people that can bring something new. So mm-hmm. we brought in an amazing team to develop the new LaFlare Pro model. We've got the first custom foam and rubber like composites that have oh, been made specifically, specifically for, for this project. sport. So yeah. we, we were able to like, we literally have a, a patent on the foam. It's like our true foam is like a, a, a blend that, that Jesse sat down with a, a, a chemist. It was like a foam engineer. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and like picked how much rigidity it would have, how much absorption it would have. You know, for the rubber, we worked with different like weaving patterns with mm. different composites to find, you know, it's like these are opportunities for us to spark interest now in in like in, in outside world. You know, like our collaboration with Gramichi is like a really cool high-end outdoor gear thing that like we sold a bunch of in our gyms and a bunch on our on our site but 
all of the stuff that they did through their uh, their Asian, specifically like Japan and Korea, sold out everything in the collection immediately. And those people, I don't think, knew anything about parkour until they just saw what we had come up with when mm. two different minds came together. And I'm now I feel like in a sort of constant search for how can we like bridge outside that gap? You know, like how can we collaborate with different people? You know, our partnership with like the Dudesons, they're these amazing, like crazy, like foreign version of Jackass. They like came to California and then (laughs) they just, they just connected with us. I think they, they were these, these, you know, these, these crazy, these wild and crazy guys, you know, and like they, they they just wanted to do (laughs) cool stuff. They do not care about free running. They just think it's awesome. And so they showed up and they were like, what can we do? And so like they're throw something down. Let's see what happens. Literally the first thing they're just like, we're going to cut out shapes and see if we can jump through them. Somehow that got like 5 million views on the internet because suddenly like you're seeing like, Hey, here's some people with some crazy ideas. And then here's some people with some crazy skills. Let's put them together. together. And and all of a sudden what you get is something relatable, something that people can connect with that they can, they can really understand. And I think that's where you've seen the success of people. Like for instance, we were talking about Pasha earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, he switched from being a a free running athlete to being an action comedy creator. And, you know, it's something that I recognize in Pasha when we were on the OTE tour, like back in the day with Jesse and Corey, when his English was even worse than it is now, but (laughs) Very rudimentary. Like you, know, you started off just like quoting rap lyrics, and that's how he became the boss because everyone just thought he just like listen to gangster hip hop. <laughs> but but really, you know, he he expresses himself best through his movement, and he likes to make people smile and laugh. And he's a funny dude, and he's just been able to to find this thing where now like Fifty Cent can tag him in a in a Monday morning yeah, meme it just happens right, and and it's 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 something that connects to to people in in a really cool way. And I think that's the direction that this sport is going to grow. You know, right now on YouTube, there's more views on parkour and free running videos than skateboarding and snowboarding and BMX combined mm-hmm. because it just, it exists in that world so well and it connects to an audience that does not need to participate in it to appreciate it. Yeah. And that's always been an interesting topic. I mean, my parkour origin story aside, there's something about a physical movement practice which draws human beings in. And there's something about a physical movement practice that doesn't have any equipment that's just you and concrete bar, whatever your environment is. There's something about that that is so visceral that even if your physical ability is, I can sit on the sofa and work the remote, you still understand it when you see it. If you watch an auto race, if you're into auto racing, it's really, really enthralling. But to the average person, okay, it's just cars going fast, click. Like they don't, mm. there's something that's missing there. But there's the thing about parkour that I think is pretty unique is that because there's no equipment, because there's nothing other than the athlete, that you can fundamentally understand that athlete's experience just by glancing at it on YouTube. Now, I'm not saying you can learn parkour and that you can get the full experience by watching, but it clicks, it connects. Well, you certainly can experience a lot of it. I mean, you've probably all had that feeling where you see somebody do something either at like a gym or, or on a video like, yeah. and you cringe for that second you're because like, ah, yeah, right. you're, you're physically sensing yeah, that visceral, and, 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 right. and, and feeling it on a very deep level. It's like watching somebody get kicked in the nuts in a, you know, in a movie. <laughs> I wasn't like, going to go there, but, but that's the general say, idea. But it's the like, next thing that happens is when I see a thing, then you're like, oh my God, I got to try that. You know, and, like, yeah. and, and you go like, how Not get kicked ever? in the nuts, but like yeah, try that. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely not that. Thank um, you. <laughs> but, but that's, that is like you said, like, that's what's so cool about this idea is because there's, there's no separator, you know, there's no implement like a, you know, a skateboard between 
the experience of, of doing it and, and the experience of observing it as somebody who could potentially see themselves doing that. Yeah. I don't like rag on skateboarding, but I look at skateboarding and I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to fall right off that thing so fast. I'm going to need 17 pads and a helmet. And, and, but, but like when I watch somebody do something spectacular, I'm like, well, look, two arms, two legs, two hands. Okay. I get it. I have to just like lose weight and learn to do this. And and it's like, there's you, like I always call it the monkey brain. Like my monkey brain goes, I recognize that. That's just intuitive. Well, I think there's a really amazing learning curve for it. And it's something that really can scale to any person and that's why you're seeing, you know, like elderly training and also like little kid tadpole mm-hmm. training. And, you know, there's, there's that whole spectrum and you can be any age, you can be a beginner or a right. pro at, like there are people that, that represent all these, these different things and you can start it and be at zero one day. And then in that next day, learn a whole slew of new skills. Yep. And that's, I think what's so amazing because learning how to do a jump does not require you to be able to jump far or mm-hmm. high or anything, it just yeah. says you go off the ground and then you come back, back to the ground. ground. 50% the of that is going to happen cover. automatically. <laughs> right? So the app, you can already do it. It's just about getting better at it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is, is really cool. You're obviously passionate about a wide number of projects and different topics and things. And I don't want to like drag you to like something you find boring, but I'm wondering, can we talk more about the competition? Because I think a lot of people in parkour space, they fall on one side or the other. They're either like, yeah, it's all part of the competition. Like people are like, no, that's the exact opposite of the philosophical first principles. And I'm just wondering if you can unpack some more of not so much why competition is viable. I think we all agree on that. But like, why is competition so important to parkour? And, and maybe you can like, maybe we shouldn't even call it the P word. Maybe we should just talk about movement practice, but because I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're clearly passionate about the value of competition and the role that that plays in sharing parkour with everybody. And I think when it comes to, like you said, not just parkour, but any, mm, anything movement, right? I mean, not even just movement, but just any life practice. I think having opportunities to do it really cultivate a better understanding of it. Mm. And there is certainly within parkour specifically a training mentality where we are like constantly finding ways to train for an idea or to push ourselves to reach a, a goal. But having something that exists outside of just your own personal training and, and functions as sort of like a reality check. Yeah, it it is. I'm just guessing. It is a really cool reality check. It's a way to check in with what's really going on in the world. And I love to see the way that some of the younger athletes have incorporated competition into their training, because I think it goes against what everyone is has sort of been afraid of happening, mm-hmm. you know, that it's going to destroy the sense of community. Oh, that it's like they ran like, the experiment and the result was not what we were all expecting. No. Yet. And I think you're seeing like Nate Weston's of the world pop up where he has, he has watched competitions as he came up. He's seen all these athletes and now he's showing up with these incredible skills that his whole mentality was, I'm just going to train this so that I can do a flyway and land on a freaking rail <laughs> every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Yeah. So well that I can bust that out in competition <laughs> and, then, and then do a dub fly just to, to round it out. Right. And it's, I'm not saying that competition did that for Nate Weston. I'm not saying that this is the only way that you can get there. I'm saying that for some people, this is a motivator. It's an inspiration. It's also just 
a thing. It's a real mm-hmm. tangible thing that you can plan for, you can build up to, that you can be excited about. And the more that we can populate our, our sport with these opportunities, then the more we're going to be able to fulfill yeah, the, these the dreams and, yeah, and, and grow these, these, these opportunities. And that's the thing that's amazing is if we have a, another competition, if we have seven competitions, it does not cut out how many jams you can have. It does not right. stop having workshops or free Sunday classes right. or open gyms or curriculum. None of that weekend, right? Yeah. These things are all separate, independent. Exactly. And if, if a kid doesn't want to compete, they don't have to compete. You know, right now, one of the big things that I'm working on with Tempest in our academies is our, you know, gym to gym competitions. You know, we want to create these opportunities in the same way you see in other sports. Kids get to build yeah, like up to something. Intramural, and, and then it becomes intercollegiate and all these different levels. Exactly. Of- and, and it gives us a way for us to build up, you know, a chance for people to engage with this sport in a very tangible way. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, like, one of the things that that's really cool about it is, you know, like for our programs, we're making opportunities for the young kids, the beginner kids to to have their own type of competition. And it it's it's really an opportunity for them to just sort of put themselves out there. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a chance to show what they want to do, not just what they're being taught in classes. You know, it's it's a chance not to just follow a set obstacle course that we lay out to train safety vaults and mm-hmm. and and rules. Yeah, exactly. That, that goes through those technical things. It's a chance for them to do the thing that they were training for. Right. Now, that's not for everybody. Some people don't yeah. really participate in competition, but I am so confident that you will find that those people either love to shoot videos they love to hang out with their friends at jams. Right. They love to start podcasts. Like if it's if it's not <laughs> this thing, then they're gonna find something else. And yeah. the kids that feel like pressured into doing something or like I have to do this to show something, those kinds of feelings are are coming from their their own personal feelings about themselves and what they're 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 trying to figure out. And that's that's a lesson that that each of us has to learn on our own. Um, I think the the real danger is when we we limit the the prospects of, of young athletes when we tell them that something that they maybe want to do is bad for reasons that are not fully expressed other than that's just not the way we do things or that, Mm -hmm. that this is not, this is going to destroy something you love because it's not how I love it. Well, or some people say what you're doing, not, not you frosty, but like you random person who wants to compete by doing that, you will destroy the thing that I love too, which is a whole nother level of like, plenty of people tell me that I destroy the thing they love. (laughs) So Which, what happened to my dog? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think that what it what it really comes down to is those people that are really concerned about the well being of of the thing that they love. They have every right to care about it and to speak their voice and to do whatever is within their their power to try and convince people that the world should be the way that they think it should be. Right. And I think that's. That's only going to make them and their community stronger as well. And I am fully em- embracing the ideas of not competing because I think there are times when we shouldn't. And I think that, you know, I don't think parkour is ready for the Olympics. I think it would ruin the sport if we try to take it to that level. Do I think we yeah, should have today, more? Right. Yeah, exactly. Do I think we should have more grassroots competitions? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that more people should be supporting things like Air Whip, which is now saying that they're going to have to at least take a year off if 
ever be able to come back again because they're putting so much money into trying to create this event, which creates opportunities mm-hmm. for athletes, which creates chances for visibility. Yes, right. for for kids to be inspired, for families to come together. I've seen these things first ha- happen firsthand, first right? And I've also recognized what what. Well, it seems to me like this. this take a second. This seems yeah. to me that. When you talk about, just say, for example, a stereotypical kid who sees a Spider-Man movie and he gets inspired by that character, where they could also spot something in a comic book. There's a bunch of places where they could spot something that's spectacular that inspires them. But those are fiction, straight up, unequivocally mm-hmm. fiction. But if you see, I'm going to say regular human beings, not CG or you know mechanically modified, you see regular human beings doing competition if that inspires them, that's something that they can absolutely do. So I'm sorry, kids, you can't be Spider-Man. Not going to happen. But you can do the things that you see on TV that are in parkour competitions, that are in parkour videos. And we jokingly call them a Spider-Man, but we actually understand how that person is hanging on the wall. It's a ton of forearm strength connected to fingers, tendons. You know? and, and I think the idea of people being inspired by reality is even more powerful than them being inspired by fantasy. And that's a piece of the discussion. I'm not sure I had actually thought of that before we started talking about competition. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's so beneficial to the youth of the sport that we're talking about to have those role models, Mm -hmm. to have those people that they can look up to. And, you know, for me, I had like maybe like four dudes in France that didn't want to talk to me. You know, like when I, when I started Mm -hmm. parkour, there was literally some dudes in France that didn't think anyone else in the world should do parkour because it was a French thing mm-hmm. and nobody else would understand it. That was my experience. I came in yeah, basically bootleg videos and good luck. Yeah, right? this was like before there was any. We were like we were like literally scrounging to like share real player files with each other just so we could see what things were. And now I think you know I, I get excited when we can like make a pro model shoe or like mm-hmm. I see a poster from, you know, like with Jason Paul on it in right. some kid's bedroom or yeah. like somebody wants an, an, an autograph from Sydney Olson. Cause she's their freaking inspiration. And it's some little right. boy who just like thinks that she is the biggest badass in the world because mm-hmm. she's like killing it. And, and she should be supported in what she's doing. Right. That girl deserves a platform. She came up competing. She's been an, you know, this elite athlete. And she's training herself in the same way you would see professional yeah. athletes in basketball or she soccer. Is a professional or exactly, athlete, right? You know, and like the fact that she has to show up and go get lit on fire, thrown down some stairs to be in like some TV show to like get paid so that she can continue to train her ass off to compete in a sport where she doesn't get, get paid. paid as, right? as I mean, she does get paid. Tempest pays her every month. Like she does win competitions right, and but they she can't like, it's not enough. It's not enough to like pay her rent to like live her life. And yet That's everybody that. complains. I wish I could make a living doing parkour. And then, and then we're all just like, I guess, okay with having to struggle on the side. Like, you know, the podcast doesn't pay for itself. Like <laughs> absolutely, and if you if you told me right now, like LeBron James is the you know the greatest basketball player of his time, but uh, <laughs> he, he works at McDonald's on yeah, the weekends, <laughs> yeah, just to like oh, he'd be like no, like okay, like I What's think games and sports are funny, right? yeah, it's great, but it's like this dude is so good at putting this ball in this hole, like we pay him millions of dollars to do it yes. because like he put that ball in hole good, yeah. you know, and I'm saying like, here are people pushing themselves to the limits of human capabilities mm-hmm. with no venue to share that with the world, with no chance to experience that with other people on their level. Cause there's still so few of them and currently not getting the support financially or honestly, the respect they deserve for the right. efforts they're putting into it. 
I think competitions can help create an understandable way for the outside world to connect with this amazing community that we're building. And if we can be involved in it in a way where our voices are heard and where our presence is known, then we can build something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Frosty, so far we've been having a delightful conversation, jumping all over the place. Oh, I just said jump, sorry. Jumping all over the place on different topics. But sometimes I feel that I'm, I kind of miss the tree for the forest when I'm talking to people. Like uh, maybe we could like kind of bring it back to really like, what are you up to? And, and like, since you dropped your video and like, let's just, let's, let's like try to like mellow out a little bit. I don't want to say mellow because we're having fun, but like a little bit more frosty and a little less fresh maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been like a very big personal transition for me. You know, I think uh, for many years I kind of was like, okay, like I'm almost done being a pro. Like I slowly moved out of competing to be a host. Mm -hmm. I slowly moved out of stunts to do more choreography. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always maintained that I could bring something unique to, to any, event or shoot or jam or whatever I was, I was doing. So I, I kept finding new ways to be excited about what I was doing. And, uh, you know, in, in releasing this video on Friday, I had announced that it was going to be my last video. And I think for a long time, that's, I had been thinking about it as sort of the end of an era for Mm -hmm. me, but as I started to actually create it and, and it started to take shape for what it actually ended up being, it felt very much like, yes, there was some level of tribute to all of the energies and efforts I've put in to the style I, I helped create for myself. It certainly has a level of, of gratitude towards the people that have been involved along the way, my friends and family and my team and Tempest. But more than anything, it, it really started to take shape as something that I would like to share going forward. This is, mm-hmm. is less about closing something out and more about opening something up and finding a way to take all of that feeling that I had over this, at this point, this year is 18 years, so almost two decades of, of training in this, of, yeah, you know, the journey that I, I took and, and try and explain it in a way where people don't have any of that backstory where they have none of that knowledge. And like the response I got from people within the community helped me, you know, remember all the great experiences, you know, when I'm talking to Travis Noble Graves right. about, you know, where we were all those years ago shooting. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you think this yeah. would ever turn into, or yeah. we would ever be? Yeah. Like- or like, you know, like I was talking to Jason Paul, he commented on my video and I was saying like, man, do you remember like just, just, just a few years ago we were kids and like, now I'm like retiring from being a pro and you're having babies and like, holy shit, we're adults. Like we're fully adults. And for Hashtag me, adult yeah, it, but it's, it's so amazing to me to see like uh, the, the way that this community has grown. It, it does find ways to support the people who stay in it. And it's given me so much in terms mm. of opportunities to grow as, as and challenges. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, 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 one of the things that I think we kind of touched on a little bit is what it's, it's provided me was not just an opportunity to do something physical that I love, but right. to explore a whole world of undeveloped territory, things right. that, that now fit so well into our culture. The narrative it, now makes sense, but it, you didn't know that when you started. Right? Absolutely. It was mostly just people being like, why are you making me watch this 14 <laughs> minute doing, long right? video? You cut to like three different Linkin Park songs. <laughs> and now I think I, I not only feel like, 
validated in that way I felt when I first started. Mm -hmm. I also am equally excited for the unknown of where this is going because I see so much potential. I see so much opportunity. I know it won't be all of those things, but it's going to be something. And if where it's been headed says anything about it, I think it's going to be an incredible journey for the sport moving forward. So I think the obvious question following that is, so what's next where you, you know, what are you headed to? What are you working on? What's that you could share? What are you working on? That would be particularly interesting to you. So what's drawing you that's not looking back, but that's sort of like now you've had a chance to look over your shoulder and, and kind of wrap that in your mind. And now when you turn around, what do you see coming at you? Um, Well, as, As one of the owners of Tempest, I am really excited about what we're doing in terms of growing our audience and bringing new people in, you know, through our connections in Hollywood, we're able to expose sort of mainstream audiences to things, but through our new facilities, we just opened one in Dallas, really started to take our ideas and seeing how we can sort of push them out into the world and see how different communities connect with them. And it's really cool to see who comes into our facilities because it's not just the kids who are watching the videos. It's not just, you know, like the super fans. It's people who have never heard of this that are just looking for something new. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kids, it's adults, it's it's people just searching for something and finding it in this sort of magical world that we built. And I think that opportunity to create that it really does express that the place that parkour can live in our in our society mm-hmm. as something that maybe not everyone will become a pro athlete and maybe it won't ever be like regimented in in all public schools but it definitely will find a way into the sort of collective consciousness, consciousness of of right. people and and just that alone i think the fact that there is a word for caring about movement is what I would like to see going forward. And cultivating opportunities for that is is why things like USPK I think is so important. It's right. one of the things I'm most excited about right now because the United States Parkour Association is exactly what it sounds like. It is a collection of all of the people who either train, bring right. their kids to train, train. start companies for parkour, way, whatever. Right. Anybody who wants to, to integrate, that wants to have a voice in this community can talk about what they care about, that they can gather people behind a cause, that they can show the, the, the validity of what we have been growing over these years by creating a level of authenticity through really just like us all of, like coming together. Like just the fact that we, we've been doing all of this work cohesively mm-hmm. next to each other for so long. I'm going to say this. I feel like you've suddenly discovered, hey, we're all at the same place. And like everybody went on their own separate journeys and did their own thing and, and like discovered things in different orders. Like I found A, then you found, you know, and then we get there and it's like, oh, it's us. Oh, well, hey, you know, we clearly should. And like USPK seems to be this perfect confluence of, um, and it's not just five people's lives, but, you know, the, somebody has to be the figurehead. Somebody has to be the person whose picture is on it. So the five of you that are that are stepping forward or like really, you know, putting money where their mouths are, however you want to word that, those five people um, sort of seem to be discovering that they've all taken different journeys and wound up at the same place. Well, I think what's amazing about, you know, you're talking about these five people, but the reason why those, like we five became those people in that position is because I think each of us in our own way represent the sort of fundamental view that our actions can affect a much greater population mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. So each of those people, whether, you know, it's, it's Amos talking about like his apex community or his parkour EDU world or, or Mark and, and his, his APK family, like mm-hmm. we all represent 
the idea that we are helping a much bigger community of people build towards something positive. And I think if anybody on that, that, that board really had just been there for themselves or to, for their own yeah, personal gain, they would gain. have left a long yeah, time ago. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of personal gain are to be had there. saying there's yeah. a lot of work that's going on behind the scenes to make it happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, really, I can't express enough like gratitude and respect to the rest of the transition board on USPK that has really been working to cultivate something which sounds and in all reality is very boring to build, but very necessary to have. And the reason it hasn't existed yet is because we are all like self-motivated, excited people who love to go out and do something and like sitting in a room and like debating like political language is not something that's hard i mean america i want like america is great because of its individualistic philosophy and the ideas of like a hard day's work gets you a hard day's pay and like, like those kinds of ideas make it and that like parkour just grew here so well because of that but then the challenge becomes how do you take i don't know what is it 300 200 325 million people whatever it is i'll just mumble it all those people spread out across a huge geographic space and the project is hard to try and build one uh like really you guys seem to be building a space for a conversation to happen in and behind the scenes there's a ton like i think it was will smith or somebody said you know how do you build the best damn wall ever well you get one brick and you lay that brick as perfectly as you can and then tomorrow you put another brick and after a while you wind up with a really awesome wall but it's just the vision of like i know why i'm putting this brick i know why i'm going to the trouble of incorporating and why you know transparency and like all these really complicated difficult processes why it seems to you guys are going to all the trouble. Yeah. And I, you know, I think there is a transition within the general public, but also the parkour community specifically in recognizing like our life like line in this sport, mm-hmm. you know, it starts off as a very present in the moment. Like I want to do this and I'm doing it and it's happening and literally nothing else can matter because I'm in yes, the air and I think the world is coming at me. <laughs> to the point where you start thinking, okay, I want to, I want to start doing more like deadlifts because I'm building up my right. lower strength. And right. then you start, you're starting to think like, Oh, if I do this now, then suddenly like my power output will be greater later. But then you start thinking, Oh, well, if I really want to focus more on my training, I should like maybe not have to pay for a gym every time. Maybe I should just like open a place with a couple of my friends. And then it's like, Oh, well I'm like making all these things. People really like, like I wanted just a shirt just for all of our coaches, but maybe people could buy this or like, yeah. And like suddenly it starts building into a whole life. And it's when you take those steps to think about like, okay, here's where I am now. And I, here's what I care about. What can I do to bring myself closer or more into that world that I want to live in? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all doing. And like you said, that's what we've all been doing side by side in parallel for, for years now. And we've just come to a point where we're recognizing, oh, like we're all still here. Like, yeah, we're now we're all doing even more different things, but it's even more parallel. Yeah. Let's start figuring out how we can start supporting each other. Yeah. Cause the obvious conclusion is like, there isn't just five of you, there's probably 5,000 or 50,000 people who have that same passion and they're all different places in their journey. But at some point somebody goes, you know, we could just like meta this whole thing and create the conversation, create the space. And then we would be enabling those 50,000 other people who wouldn't have to do all the trouble of incorporating and like, you know, worry about whether you need an attorney to do this or that. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the struggles for us is that it is difficult to, to be unbiased, Mm. you know? And like, if we came in and we like, our goal was, okay, we want to take over the sport. 
we want to dictate how the competitions are run, how certifications are handled, where people get insurance from. And, and make mad cash, right? Exactly. <laughs> then, then it would be very easy for us to go in and say this, 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 and this. We need to get these right. things in, involved, and then no, no one will have any choice but to have to accept this. And that's why you see people creating, you know, like, this is the World Cup of Borkor because we uh, said uh, so. Uh, yeah, you know, right. And it's like, I think that is very possible. We live in a world where you can do that. Um, yeah, it's like a maneuvering game then. If I capture these three, you know, if I get Boardwalk and Park Place, I'm set. Exactly. <laughs> and so we have ch- created a challenge for ourselves, which is much more difficult. But in the, in the long run, the people that we're going to be bringing in are going to be people who have a voice, right. who give a shit, and who want to see something happen. Mm-hmm. And those people are the kinds of people that are, are going to make something lasting, that are going to plant the seeds of something that can grow, and who inevitably are yeah. going to be the ones with their hands on the hey, joystick for where we're headed. you know? Like, you want to try and create something that's going to outlast you. I mean, you know, a lot of people complain about the political system or, or things that are happening today, but it's been a 250-year experiment for our nation. And, you know, you can say you don't like the way it's going today, or you do like the way it's going today, but it's a long-running experiment. And the people who put it together, nobody knows what they were really thinking, but what they accomplished was creating something which has long outlasted them. So having, I think, and I'm, I'm riffing off what you were just saying, which is having that idea of like, okay, this was my life experience, but now how do I create something which would have enabled me from the beginning to have had that experience? And that, I think that's a very insightful way to go at building anything. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I mean, like we're talking about shifting perspectives. I think one of the biggest things is as you're seeing these kids that came up in the sport becoming adults that are creating lives and mm-hmm. businesses, they are starting to think in much bigger strokes. You know, mm-hmm. the, the canvas gets larger and so you get a bigger paintbrush and you start yep. thinking about these big picture details. But at the same time, we still have to focus on the like up close nitty gritty day to day stuff. And it just becomes that, that balancing act of, of recognizing what small things can I do today that are going to have a big impact down the road. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite questions is to ask people if there's a point in time that you can look back at and say, oh, I see that I used to think about something in a certain fashion and now I see that as different. And sometimes that's phrased as like, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice, where would you go back and what time would you be when you went back there? Um, So I'm just wondering if there's a, you're obviously a much more circumspect person than a lot of people. And I'm wondering, is there something about yourself that you can see that's changed over the years? Yeah, I I come from martial arts family. My parents met doing Aikido. um, And actually, one of my Aikido instructors when I was a kid first saw the Yamakaze on Ripley's Believe It or Not, told me Mm -hmm. I should check it out, and basically became the kicking off point for everything I was doing. And it was pretty amazing, too, because it's rare to hear Aikido brought up and to hear like (laughs) Yamakaze, like founders, like talk about like how they had trained in in Aikido specifically Mm -hmm. was like really exciting for me. But I certainly thought about it as like sort of like one part like martial arts discipline, one part like skateboarding mm-hmm. because I sucked at skateboarding. <laughs> and it, but it was it was something that I was like very excited about and invested in. And I think as it, it started to develop, for me, I was very much thinking about like just doing it and being better at it and 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 finding ways to to go more into that that mm-hmm. world. And um, it certainly took on. I think more of the elements of a, of a sport early on for me because I was very physical. I came from uh, an athletic yeah, background, martial arts. Martial arts. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, a, 
uh, state finalist wrestler, uh, you know, all city track and field. Like I was like really into sports and activities and like getting outside and doing stuff. And so I think there was an excitement to that, like sort of unknown territory of just being able to push yourself. And then also mm. like a reward response where like people were like, Oh, you jump good. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. like jumping it's clearly good. recognizable when you do it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that that certainly like motivated a big part of my early movement, but it's funny as you know, I, I, I became like a pro athlete pretty early in my career because there just weren't that many other athletes and right. there were opportunities coming up. Well, um, and also that you were quite capable. It wasn't just like nobody else was around, but yeah, yeah but a I'm, combination I'm, of the I, two. I do remember like, as I started, um, traveling for performance more, I started to recognize where like other people's skill sets lie versus my own. Mm-hmm. So for instance, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners will remember Levi Muenberg. He is one of the OG American free runners. He is incredibly talented. He was like the first American to make it to like stage three of Ninja Warrior or whatever. He, uh, he really is just this in- incredibly gifted athlete who honestly gave up being Captain America's parkour stunt double so he could run sustainable farming in, in Northern Michigan, which mm-hmm. is incredible in its own right. But performing with him, I would see like, oh, well, this guy can like, you know, stick a gainer off of like any of these things. He's going to, he can pop like waffles anywhere, like left and right. Like his, his skill set was so much higher than mine that I had to start trying to find creative ways to get the audience excited, to make sure like my value was like, yeah, how do I stand out, Yeah. Like right. how do I make something cool when I'm everything I wish I could do is like right over there. And it's like this like blonde haired, blue eyed, like right. super soldier, right. you know, like literally Captain, Captain America. America, like crushing it over there. And so I think that creativity started to play into my more like clever nature and like finding ways where physically something didn't need to be as hard, but you could, you could find something that honestly people would start to connect with more because it was either unexpected or it was Mm -hmm. like entertaining. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that aspect of it, the live performance aspect, I think started to become really exciting for me. I have like had the opportunity to start, choreographing in the last like four or five years i helped choreograph like the last ringling brothers circus i worked on a really cool like nike fashion show the Mm. nickelodeon kids choice awards like people want to find ways to integrate this movement and it used to be just like okay i go across and then you go across and then we both go across and then we all do a backflip you know and it was like always (laughs) the same thing and starting to like evolve the idea (laughs) of like what you can do is is has has really started to grow and for me, I think I was always looking for ways like, okay, we went out and shot a video. When I, my last video, I was shooting at the same time as like, you know, like Bart Vanderlinden and DK, you know, like top athletes from around the world are going down and, and just throwing like the, the most next yeah. level what? stuff. <laughs> exactly. And when you're in that place, I think you have to find your own ways to be inspired by yourself. And, mm. you know, you can, you can, do that either by trying to do something that you think will impress other people or by digging deeper into the things that really motivate you. And for me, that became one part like self-expressive art form, but really specifically trying to understand from almost like a flow standpoint, where do these movements come from and, Mm -hmm. and what feels good and right. And my last video contains like a few different moves that don't have names because I 
didn't bother to come yeah, up with right. them. Whatever, but, right. But we're based literally just on like a trajectory of motion and a specific body modality. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I wanted to see what happened. And that was one of the benefits of having a place like the Tempest Freeriding Academy during that time is I got to go in there and just like experiment with what movement if, right? in a way where it was it was less about like what is the end result and more of like when I put this into it, because this is what I want to put into it, what comes out of it? And once you have that, it's it just came down to like putting mm. landing it on my feet and, right, then, right. and then incorporating that into something. And yeah, then then you're creating the then you're creating an artistic piece from that interesting yeah. thing that you created. And I and I had like a lot of experimentation. I like you know like Whoops, messed with my right. camera <laughs> like to try and figure out. I had a whole project of just trying to shoot myself, like mm. taking pictures of myself while in midair with a remote. Mm. And it was just a chance to try and see like okay if I take the photographer aspect out of it because I had been collaborating with all these amazing art photographers in in Los Angeles. Like, how could I do something yeah. where I take an element out that's that's already existed there? Right, because that's a different mind. You yeah, can't and, we can't mind meld. <laughs> and honestly, I think like one of the most rewarding things I had done over those last few years was was step outside of the parkour community and say like, okay, who also exists in the world that could mm. connect with this? And and it's like. What photographer, mm-hmm. videographer, creative in the right mind doesn't see an opportunity yeah. to do oh, something yes, with yes, please, with, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it was you can was, do what? Yes, please. It wasn't like I even needed like I don't have the most followers on Instagram. I didn't have like some huge pitch. I basically just offered myself as 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 a part of a of an, an art piece and and we started creating things and that led to like different opportunities, to different roads, to different paths, to me finding mm. like things that I was really inspired by. And I have like, like my own personal process for a lot of this. Like I like to like redo my website or like reevaluate like everything, you know, every pair of socks I have in my drawer, a la Marie Kondo, you know, oh, like good. I feel better that I'm not the only person that does that. But I, these <laughs> I think what's, what's cool there, about it though, is like, you know, that whole, like, like what sparks joy idea is really just about like, Hey, let's, let me understand myself better by looking at what I really connect with in this idea. And for me, it was like, okay, yes, I like mm. climbing and jumping right, on things, right, right, but right. that is not what motivated me. Like being in the air does not motivate me to like climb up the building and then like leave the ground to like be in the air. It's, it's, it's about this, uh, this, this bigger idea that, that I connect with in, in challenging myself in trying something new and exploring the unknown. Those are the things that have motivated me. And the, the way that I choose to express them has been through movement. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking for new opportunities to explore those things. Last year I made up a game. It's a card game and you play it just to get to know people. But the same ideas that motivated me in terms of, I want to explore the unknown. I want to skip past the obvious thing and go for the interesting thing. It encouraged me to come up with a game that I could play with people that created the same sort of experiences I had mm. after climbing a building and ending up at a rooftop at 4am with somebody yeah, having the conversation of my life. Yes. How can I like cultivate that in other areas? Right. And so like making up this game canyons was a way for me to, to do that. And one of the cool things about the community of people that I have now surrounded myself with, not only do I get to play with cool free runners, you know, when I'm in Austria and I'm, I'm meeting somebody new and play the game, it's also like, now I'm going to teach a workshop in Marfa, Texas in, uh, in two weeks where they, they know that I'm a free runner, but they asked me to come to play this game with people because mm-hmm. what they recognized as the value of my experience goes beyond like my ability to like throw myself backwards over my head <laughs> and more about my ability to put myself in a situation where I am excited by yeah. the unknown and 
motivated by the challenge ahead. So uh, this isn't going out very far on much of a limb, but I'm going to say I would then presume that you would agree that everybody should attempt to find, like, I've always said that, like, the only way to kill the thing you love is to make it the only thing that you're doing. And then if you really want to kill it quickly, put money on it somehow. And, like, it just, your passion will kill you. But it seems to me pretty obvious that you're saying that you need to do other things, that you need to figure out how your passion connects with your life. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, don't yeah. go, you know, hey, don't go out and shoot awesome videos. Go figure out what calls to you. Yeah, I mean, I think if what calls to you is shooting awesome videos, then by all means, do it. Yeah, but if it I calls. Think, yeah, step back and, and understand, like, are you just, does the video itself inspire you? Or is it like, what you really want is recognition online because there's a lot of ways to get that and like trying to do the thing that somebody else did is almost never the way to get what you want. Um, but you know, I, I had a conversation with, with a, a woman who, who was asking me about like being multiple things. She is an amazing graphic designer. She's an incredible coder. She picked up a camera and now she's shooting, um, mm professionally and right. she just like can't decide what she wants to do because she's so freaking talented the world is her oyster and it's like oh tough but <laughs> but really at the end of the day that's that's that is the problem that we all have like as humans we are capable of so many things yes. how do you choose humans. and so like my question to her is like okay well yes i get you like taking pictures but i know that you don't like pushing a black button and looking through a tiny hole that's not what inspires you that's not why you get excited to go do this it's not why you would turn down a job being like a coder or something on a team right yeah to get paid less money to go work harder outside like in the sun at somebody's wedding or whatever like there is something else that's inspiring you that's that's getting you excited about pushing that button Mm -hmm. so look at what makes you want to push that button not at pushing the button because looking back at that thing, you're going to find, Oh, well this is, you know, like what I really truly love about this is like, you know, experiencing a perfect moment in time when you just hit it. And I was like, well, do you also feel that when you write a perfect program and you hit enter that final time or space? I actually don't know what you push. And then, and then it happens. (laughs) But but the the idea being like, you know, like you like pushing that button on a computer or on a, on a, on a camera. What is it about that relates those two? Not just like what, what divides them, what's different. Yeah. There's lots of differences between many things in the world, but if you find the commonality between them, if you find that thread that, that connects with you, then you're going to be able to do that in anything that you do. Okay. Yeah, well now it. all of a sudden I'm washing dishes, but I love that moment when I finally get to turn off the sink and everything is perfectly Perfect. clean. And I can look at that. And that is a, a, a way that I can take that idea from one aspect of my life and apply it anywhere I want because mm. how you do one thing Let's be real. It's how you're going to end up doing anything else. Any shout outs you want to give? Like, do you want to talk about your wife's project? Do you want to talk about, like, you're totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited in in general. I have the opportunity to work on so many cool projects. And like I was just saying, being able to apply experiences from one area to another has been so valuable. Meeting my wife, Dina, has been so incredibly inspiring for myself as a creative, as a designer, as an entrepreneur, because she saw what I was doing through parkour, through Tempest, through my own personal brand, and saw the value of it and how it could be applied anywhere in the world. And so she really helped inspire me to start applying those interests to other areas. We started a brand, Clark and Madison, that was literally doing like handcrafted heritage-inspired leather goods, which is about as far away from parkour as you could possibly get. <laughs> But there was uh, 
a freedom there, again, for me to ex- explore in a way that was totally new for me, but to take all those experiences, all that knowledge, and, and invest it into something new. And so we developed our, our, our personal projects. We created tons of opportunities. She right now has just launched a brand new company called Mod. They are doing modern-day sex essentials. It is so cool to see. It's in the same way that parkour, I think, took advantage of what the internet had to offer that wasn't being utilized. Mm-hmm. Maud is doing the same thing for sex right now and in, in, in finding a way to translate it to a, a modern audience in creating a better platform online for both um, understanding education. And, and, exactly. Right. And uh, the coolest thing about it is it was meant for, you know, like modern love for the way that that sex and relationships and intimacy are viewed today, but it has had such a overwhelming mainstream response. They thought it was going to be a lot of like coastal, like East Coast, New York people that like, you know, hip stuff, but it has been seeing the most amount of interest from the middle of the country, Mm -hmm. from, from older audiences than they ever imagined because what they've really done is stripped away a lot of the stuff that are barriers to entry things that that discourage from people from wanting to explore these things or express them themselves and i'm so inspired by what she's been able to accomplish in in founding this company and and creating these these products that i think it, it helps me understand that there is so much potential left for what we can do within our own community in terms of 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 just endless, limitless potential for, for growth in so many different directions because each person that's involved reflects a different perspective and mm-hmm. a different interest. And we just happen to come together a lot. And so that's when you see these cool collections of people and things. But the more combinations that we can cultivate inside right. and outside the, the sport are just going to create new possibilities. I uh, had this amazing opportunity when I was on the big island in Hawaii. I mentioned my parents are martial arts teachers. One of their early students, who is a close family friend, uh, he became a Buddhist monk. Uh, he's now a Buddhist carpenter in Hawaii, building like amazing <laughs> meditation facilities right. there. Um, but uh, he still practices Aikido, which is really cool. And they don't have any other teachers on the island. So sometimes my dad will go out to go and uh, see them or do tests or whatever, but he has a really unique community of people there on the, the big Island. Cause it's like in the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Jurassic park. Um, but there's this amazing artist couple I met and this Japanese artist, he was talking about the idea of, of his own work and moving forward. And I was very curious about, you know, after years of being this like world famous painter doing all of these like beautiful pieces, which he's so well known for, he essentially stopped doing personal work and only did collaboration. And so I was so curious about what his mindset behind that was. I would think that you'd start maybe in collaboration and then move more towards your own work and expressing yourself. And he said that he felt that in his earlier work, he had had so much opportunity to express himself that the only way to better know himself and to, to discover new things was to multiply the perspectives of himself with all of these other people because they could only create so much on their own and he could only create so much himself by, by coming together. They were able to develop something that existed only in that, that brief overlap of two infinite consciousnesses, you know? And I think about that now for us moving forward and how every day there's just a new person coming into the sport, finding it for the first time. And they represent an infinite number of possibilities. And I just can't wait to see where it all goes. And of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. At Frosty Fresh.
Frosty, it's been a terrific pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, been an honor. This was episode 40. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 40. I'd love to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions. Send an email to team at moversmindset.com. If you've found this episode at all useful or enjoyable, please tell your friends. And there's more to the Movers Mindset Project than just this podcast. Visit our website for more free content, to sign up for our newsletter, or to join the Movers Mindset community. Thanks for listening.